Hey guys, welcome back to episode 34 of season 1 Reading with Grace, where we will continue reading The Unwanted's Island of Fire. Today we will be picking up from chapter 52, but first a recap of chapters 46 through 51. Alex, Simber, Sky, Crow, and Karina took a first look ashore Pirate Island. Everything seemed normal until Crow and Karina found a window looking down into the island. Turns out there's a whole society living underneath it, including Skye and Crow's mother, who they thought was dead. Their mother helped them to dis disenchant the ship, but warned them not to come back. Alex made a promise to Skye and Crow that they would come back for her anyways. Back in Quill, Eva Fathom saw some of Gondoliri's magic, which is growing stronger, but said nothing about it. Finally, in our last chapter, Alex and his crew were just landing on Warbler to save Lonnie and Sam Heed. So that's the end of the summary, but before we begin today's episode, I wanted to mention to you guys that I will not be posting a second episode this week as usual. But I promise to be back next week with another episode on the 15th or 16th, I believe, depending on where you live. So I hope everyone enjoys their week and the episode. Thanks for listening! Fifty-two, The Front Line from the deck, the Unwanteds could see no sign of life on the shores of Warbler. It's just like last time, Megan said in a soft voice to the first group. Don't be fooled, right guys? She looked at Skye and Crow. They nodded. There are eight or ten guards in the trees, Skye said softly. They know we're here, but they won't alert anybody yet. They don't want to be seen, and they don't know we know they're there. They are experts with sleep darts, so they feel very confident right now. Do you know how many darts they have? Alex asked. At least a dozen each, I guess. Skye lifted her chin in defiance as she gazed at the island. They're very accurate, though, so they never expect to use them all. Alex nodded. He checked the sun, which hung low over Pirate Island. We've got about an hour of daylight left, he said. He turned to resurge from Simber as his stomach started flipping like a fish on the sand. Simber nodded. First wave, Alex said, trying to make his voice sound commanding. You're up. Be careful. He turned to the fox and kitten. You know what to do. They both nodded. Fox's hind legs jittered with excitement, and Kitten stood up on Fox's head. With a nimble leap, the driftwood fox jumped over the side of the ship and splashed in the water, bobbing immediately to the surface. He began swimming with all his might. Kitten rode high and dry, except for the initial splash, of course. Florence followed, stepping carefully off the ship, as Simber put his weight on the other end to balance it. She gathered up the rest of the statues in her arms, like a bundle of sticks, and made her way to the shore in a few long strides, just barely beating Fox and Kitten. Everyone else stayed on the ship. Megan gripped Alex's arm as Florence sat everyone down on the sand. Just when you think you're safe, she whispered. Bam! Right on cue, the first round of sleep darts soared through the air. The Tiki statue remained on board as to count darts with his three set of eyes, and Simber hovered above the ship waiting. When the darts bounced off the statues, Captain Ahab hobbled around, picking them up and putting them inside his hollow peg leg, and the statues, unaffected, kept walking. There was a moment when no darts flew. They're shocked, Skye said, but now they're recovering and reloading. A moment later, the darts began again, pelting the statues like a freak desert hailstorm. In the flurry, the fox and the kitten darted into the trees and disappeared. Charlie loped after them. Magicians ready? Alex called. He put out a component in each hand and held them. When the darts thinned out and the tiki statue counted 150, he said, Go! Attack dart throwers, the magicians commanded, each launching two origami dragons. The flaming dragons soared toward the trees, seeking out their invisible targets. Okay, Simber, you're up, Alex said. Simber beat the wind and flew through the air, just as the dragons began to explode, pointing out the hidden dart throwers. 
Florence and the other statues grabbed the ones who fell from their posts, attempting to escape the fierce, fiery dragons. And Simmer plucked all the other dart throwers from the trees. From the ship, Miss Octavia was the best long-distance shot, and she froze any of them who tried to get away, while Florence cast spells on the ones within their grasp on the beach. Soon, all the orange-eyed dart throwers were contained and placed in a neat stack on the beach, frozen. Simber and Florence checked the trees once more, finding no one else. Florence turned to the ship and gave Alex a thumbs up that was all clear. Then she barked out an order and most of the statues began to move along the perimeter of the island, staying close to the trees to guide any stray fleeing or lost Artemians to safety. Florence disappeared, making her way to the other side of the island, where the entrance nearest Queen Agala's cave was. In any case, problems arose there. Rufus, your team is clear to go, Alex said. Be safe up there. The small army of Squirrelicorns took off flying for the center of the island. Alex turned to the humans. Meg, if there are any problems, send me a seek spell. And if Lonnie and Sam both make it back here, send out Lonnie so I know. The Squirrelicorns are monitoring above and will alert Florence to any activity. Once things move this way according to plan, she'll head back there to get the statue loaded on the ship. Megan nodded. Her face was white and she gripped the railing. This was a little too real for her. Alex glanced at the setting sun once more. How long has it been? Eight minutes since Fox and Kitten made a break for it, Scene said. Alex set his draw. I can't stand this. You have to give them time, Skye said. I know. He stared at the island, unable to see anything at all. The agonizing minutes crawled by. Alex fingered Lonnie and Sam Heed's spell components in his pocket, waiting. Time? He asked after a while. Twelve minutes. Sheesh! Alex dropped his head into his hands and wiped away the sweat. Everyone else paced or wriggled a foot nervously. Finally, Scene touched Alex's shoulder. Fifteen, my friend, he said. Let's do this. Okay, Alex sucked in a breath and pulled the two prototype components out of his pocket. He clenched them in his fist and held his hand in front of him. He let out the breath, concentrating on the items in hand, and whispered, Seek. Two flaming balls whooshed out of Alex's hand and raced to the shore, going in different directions, and soon they were hidden by the trees. Come on, Alex whispered. He blew out another nervous breath and gave a grim smile to his friends. Okay, he said. He looked at Crow, Henry, and Skye, and then at Cena, Karina. Ready? They nodded. Alex turned back to Skye and Crow. Are you sure you want to do this? Both of them looked sure. Yes, they said breathless. Alex nodded, and then he took out two invisibility paintbrushes from his vest and addressed Crow and Skye. We'll leave one of your arms unpainted so that we can see where you are, but this way no one will recognize you. But we need to hurry. It'll wear off in 15 or 20 minutes. They held an arm out, and Alex painted the rest of them quickly. Why aren't you painting all of us? Henry asked. Because we don't want to have to call out to find each other. We'd be discovered for sure, and we will lose each other if we're all invisible. Plus, Lonnie and Sam won't be able to see us then either, and they won't understand what's happening. We can't risk them not believing who we are what we say we are. Henry shrugged. Guess that makes sense. He wanted Lonnie to see him, that was for sure. Everyone but Megan removed their vests and held them high above their heads, when one as they climbed down to the rope to the water, careful not to get their vests too wet. Then Cena and Alex loaded the nearly invisible Sky and Crow on their shoulders to make sure they didn't lose sight of them completely in the water. Be safe, Megan called out as the six of them made for the shore. She stood by Miss Octavia and the Kiki statue and nibbled on her fingernails, the giant bag of spell components in reach, so that she could defend the ship if she needed to. Alex glanced back. Don't worry, Meg, we've got this. Cena and Karina will be right here on the beach inside at all times to fight off attackers and get the team home. As they reached shallow water, all six now walking independently toward the beach, a ball of fire came whizzing through the trees and stopped in front of Alex. It exploded, but this time it wasn't Lonnie's face looking back at him. Alex gasped. 
It was a fiery outline of a tiny porcelain kitten. Fifty-three. Hope at last. It was the end of Sam Heath's second week of work on Warbler, but there were no days off here. He swung his doled axe over and over, silently splitting logs for ships. It was crazy how much his muscles ached and burned, and there was no satisfying crash of the axe breaking the wood to go with it. He didn't dare spoil his pace, though, or attempt a shiver a leash. There were at least ten other young men and women out here who would report him in an instant, including the project manager, who had his thorns removed recently and liked to remind everyone how hard he worked to get that privilege. The only thing Sam he could think about was to get him through each day was the sign language class with Lonnie. That was the only time he was certain he'd see her, though they were slowly exchanging information about where they regularly were at certain times of the day, and they tried to catch each other glimpses of passing. He'd seen her just morning, just for a second, her long black hair disappearing around a corner. That moment made his throat ache on and off all day, but it kept him going, kept him working hard. The harder he worked and the more obedient he was, the sooner he'd be off this chain and then he'd be able to move around a bit more freely. He'd even be allowed to eat dinner with Lonnie. Everything we did was motivated by a chance to see her and their chance to escape. When he thought of escape, his mouth soured because certainly by now someone from Artemis would have done something to rescue them. Lonnie's father, for sure, if no one else cared enough. He was the high priest after all. He could do anything. That Gunnar had to come was one thing that still gave him he pause. Perhaps there was some horrible reason why no one had rescued them, even though Lonnie's seek spell seems to be going through, and she sent them as often as she could. Maybe the spell couldn't find Alex, or something had happened to him, or maybe Artemis was too far away and the spell couldn't get there. He wanted to believe that his friend Alex would do anything for him, but he was beginning to lose hope. There was only one good thing that came out of this, and it was one thing that kept Sam Heaton from giving up. Lonnie. He knew she must be still very fond of Alex, though she seemed to enjoy holding Sam's hand a lot, even when she didn't need to. But if Alex ever showed up to help them, Lonnie would surely go back to liking him. It hurt Sam's stomachs to think about it. But Alex wasn't coming, and Lon Heed was all Sam Heed had. So he let his heart going to do whatever it had to, to keep him from losing his mind, stuck here in this horrible place. The project manager startled him out of his thoughts, calling for a five-minute break. Sam he knew that he could take the break with the others, but if he kept working, the project manager would be impressed. So Sam he waved off the others and doggedly continued as they were headed to the water area. And then the strangest thing happened. Just as Sam he began to swing, a tiny, shiny white thing jumped on the log in front of him. Sam he'd pulled the swing just in time and wiped the sweat from his eyes, thinking he must be seeing things. He looked closer and saw it was a porcelain kitten. Where in the world did you come from, he wondered. He looked all around, making sure no one was watching, and he knelt down next to the log. The kitten moved, and then Sam he'd heard a small, Mew, 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 it said in a tiny voice. It hopped up and down in the log, and then it jumped and tumbled down and ran over to Sam's giant pile of wood. It looked back at Sam Heed as if it were waiting. Sam Heed looked around again. Was this a trick to see if he'd just keep working? But he'd never seen anything like a living statue on Warbler before. They didn't exist here. He took a step toward it. The kitten hopped up and down excitedly, then ran back to Sam Heed and turned around and pranced back to the woodpile, its little tail swishing. Mew, 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 it said. It had to be enchanted for its non-human voice to be heard over the island's silent spell, Sam he decided. The noise made Sam he nervous. What if someone heard? He put a finger to his lips, and the kitten bounded around to the other side of the woodpile and disappeared. At the same time, a ball of light zipped through the trees and stopped in front of him. Sam he froze. It exploded, showing him a picture of it puzzled him. 
It was a brain floating in the air. It fizzled and disappeared, leaving only a silvery trail of light weaving through the woods. What the... he thought. And then he remembered. It was his dementia spell. His heart leapt into his throat. He'd given the prototype to Alex for his collection. Could he possibly be here? After all this time? Samhede's blood pulsed and pounded. He strode toward the woodpile, forgetting about his leash, and with a yank that almost took his feet out from under him, he came to an abrupt stop. The thorn necklace jabbed deeper into his skin, sending Pierre and searing through him. He couldn't go any farther. After a moment, the kitten reappeared. Samhede pointed to his neck to the leash, trying to explain. The kitten watched, tilting her head, and then she darted around the woodpile a second time. Samhede had to keep swinging his axe, or someone would notice he was just standing there. He pounded the log half-heartedly, gleaning the woodpile now and then. After a minute, he looked again, and the axe nearly fell out of his hands. For there, peeking around the edge of the logs, was the ugliest yet most adorable goggle face Samhede had ever seen. Hello, Charlie signed. He waved his two-thumbed hand. Samhede ducked down and signed a green back to Charlie, wondering, Does Warbler use the same hand signals as the gargoyles? Charlie confirmed it in an instant. Sammy couldn't understand everything the statue was saying, but he got enough of the message to figure out that help had finally, finally come. But he had no idea how they were going to get him out of there, and he certainly wasn't going anywhere without Lonnie. A second later, the kitten and Charlie disappeared behind the logs, and Samhede saw a brief flash of light and a seek ball skirting around ships and disappearing. Samhede stood on his tiptoes, trying to see where the statues went, hoping they understood he couldn't follow, and then he felt a hand on his shoulder. Looking for something? The project manager asked, his eyes like slits. Fifty-four. Finally, the beginning of the third rescue. Sam, he'd shook his head, pretending to be bewildered. He began signing random words. Water, left, chicken, he said. He panicked, wishing he hadn't said chicken, or any kind of animal that might make the manager think of living statues. Morning, rain, he added. The manager gave him a puzzled stare. You're not very smart, but at least you can swing an axe, he muttered. Back to work. Sam, he began swinging his axe again, chopping with all his might. The dual edge of the axe made it bounce back hard without splitting much. His arms reverberated with each hit, making his fingers and wrists ache, but he kept going, thinking over and over to himself. Please, please, please. From the corner of his eye, he thought he saw a fox slinking away, and then he was sure he saw Charlie running back to the woods. Charlie inched his way up a tree in the distance, near a clearing, until Sammy could see him. Charlie waved again and pointed. He signed something quickly with one hand, the other holding tightly to the tree. Sammy didn't understand, but he also didn't dare ask questions of the gargoyle. He hoped it wasn't important. Soon enough, the gargoyle slid back down the tree and disappeared, and Sammy kept his head down, not noticing the long shadows of squirrelicorns circling on the ground in the open area around the covered workspace. Soon it would be dark and his workday would be over. Then how would they find him? And what about Lonnie? Lonnie tried to shrug her hair from her cheek, but it stuck fast to her skin with sweat and grime from the melting fires. In less than an hour, and she'd be free of this cave for the day. She paused as she worked and asked herself for the hundredth time how it was possible that her life had become like this. She slid the still glowing thorns into a tub of water to help them cool, and then she went back to the fire, loaded her mold with gold coins, and pushed it into the flames, holding it by its long handle, until she could bear the heat no longer. Her face felt like it was about to melt. She closed her eyes and willed herself to stay there a minute more. And so it was that when the ball of fire streaked into the room and exploded in front of her, she didn't even see it. On the beach, four visible unwanteds and their two almost invisible friends stared at the seek spell burning portrait of the kitten. 
Alex watched it sputter out and disappear. She did it, he whispered. Do you think she's in trouble already? I don't think she did it for fun, Seam pointed out, though she is kind of a silly kitten. Crud, Alex muttered. Had he been too ambitious to think they would all come out of this easily? He looked at Seam and Karina. Okay, well, let's proceed as planned. You guys stick with the assisting anybody heading back this way and help Megan and Miss Octavia defend the ship if the Warblarians come to attack. We'll see you soon, I hope. Alex's voice faltered, and he felt an invisible hand on his arm. He brightened with the courage he didn't really have and said, Come on, Henry, lead the way, Sky and Crow. Sky grabbed hands with the younger boys, and Alex followed behind as Sky led them on a stealthily journey off path. What they didn't see was Cena Karina flinch, one after the other, and crumple to the sand. A single remaining guard skittered down his tree and ran as fast as his legs could carry him to the other side of the island. Sky moved swiftly, leading the way. I've been thinking a lot about how much time has passed, and about where the new captures like Sam and Lonnie would be stationed, she said in a low voice, as her feet flew expertly over the brush. They're probably still tethered to a wire. It's like a wire leash. It helps them to find their way around the tunnels, and it also keeps them from trying to escape. They don't usually get that taken off for them for a few months, until they can be trusted. Great, Alex muttered. He wondered if there was a wire cutter on the ship they could use, but it was too late now to go back. Darkness was threatening. He fingered his spell components, keeping something in his hand at all times, in case they were surprised, and changing his mind every other second on what the best spells to have in hand. After several minutes of following the kitten's seek line, Sky whispered, it's leading us to shipbuilding yard by the water. Be careful now. Stay low and don't speak. This place is teeming with brutes. They neared an area of the trees that had been freshly cleared. In the distance, Alex could see dozens of men and women working silently on various types of watercraft. Sky stopped and pointed to where the string of light was leading. Alex peered through the trees, looking for signs of the fox and Charlie, knowing the kitten would be hard to spot. As he stood there looking all around for anyone or anything that was remotely familiar, the hair on the back of his neck started prickling. Alex rode around as someone or something came flying at him, hitting him square on the chest. It knocked him down, and before Alex could get a shot off, Henry had the creature frozen in a crunchy chocolate shell. It rolled off Alex. Oh no, Henry whispered. He released the spell immediately, and the fox sprang to life again, hoping out. On his back was the kitten, and standing ten feet away was Charlie waving. "'Sheesh!' Alex said. "'I'm glad Kitten is okay, but please don't do that again. "'This is a stealth mission, okay?' "'He scrambled to his feet and wiped the dead leaves and dirt from his clothes. "'Mew, mew, mew,' the kitten said. "'Alex looked at Fox. "'What did she say?' "'She said Sam Heat is working on the other side of the ship, "'and he knows we're here, but he has a leash stuck to his neck thing "'and there are lots of others about. "'Also, she heard the manager say it was nearly time to quit for the day.' "'Alex looked skeptical.' She said all that with three tiny mews? The fox nodded. His face was very serious. And Charlie can talk to Sam Heat in the sign language. Alex didn't want to know how the fox found that out, but he was glad. Okay, kitten, you did good to send out the alert. The kitten hopped up and down the fox's back. Let's move around so we can see him, Alex said. The fox tilted his head and he noticed the two arms floating in midair. He sniffed and then followed them along with Alex and Henry. They got down on their hands and knees and snuck around to the back of the woodpile where the statues had been before. In front of them was an enormous convert pavilion where a dozen young men and women chopped logs. A large shadow passed over the trees and Alex looked up to see Simber who had spied them as well. Alex signaled to Simber and whispered knowing the cat had amazing hearing. There's no open place for you to land without everybody noticing. Can you go and tell Sina and Karina we found Sam Heed? Then come right back and see if we need help. The cat circled and flew off. Pissed! someone said. Alex looked all around. Up in the trees, he saw them. 
a dozen squirrelicorns, including Rufus. Alex flashed a shaky grin. He was suddenly feeling better about this. Okay, team, you run and fly out there and distract them while I get Sam Heat off his leash. Henry, as soon as you're close enough, hit everyone else with everything you've got. I hope as much as I can. Ready, everyone? They all nodded, and Rufus circled upon the air, commanding his team. Go, Alex said. Like a disturbed beehive, the shipbuilding area was suddenly swarmed with screaming squirrelicorns and a few hopping, yelling statues. The warblarians dropped their axes in fright as Sam Heath started throwing punches at anyone within reach. Waiting for his cue behind the woodpile, Alex grinned as he watched Sam Heath fight with every ounce of energy he had. Man, have I missed you, he whispered. Fifty-five. The First Loss Alex leaped over the end of the woodpile, casting blinding highlights on his way to Sam Heed. Sam! he said as he ran up. Stand still now. Don't move an inch. Sam Heed dropped his fist and began to shake, overflowing with adrenaline. The warblarians he punched came to their senses and began to fight off the wing-torn creatures that stabbed at them. Alex shot off a few more spells, and when it looked like he had a few seconds, he touched Sam Heed's thorns. Hold very still, he whispered. He took a breath and whispered, Dissipate. Just as he breathed the dangerous magical word, a warblarian grabbed a squirrelicorn from the air and threw her at Alex. The squirrelicorn's horn hit Sam Heed's neck, jolting him all, and as the thorn vanished, so did the creature. Alex pulled his hand away with a gasp. No! He looked all around as if the squirrelicorn might be hiding somewhere, but she was gone. The leash jangled from the overhead wire and Sam Heed was free. Alex! Rufus cried out. Let it go and carry on! That brought Alex to his senses. He shrugged off his vest and shoved it at Sam Heed. You can speak now, or at least whisper, he said. Fire away. Sam Heed wore a dazed expression, not sure what had just happened. But at Alex's words, he came back to life and shoved his arms through the vest. He brought a hand to his neck, filling the dents and holes in his skin. And then he grabbed components and started fighting. Alex, who had padded his other pockets, began pelting warblarians with spells. But when he heard a cry, he turned finding Henry dangling from the arms of an enormous man, who held the boy out in front of him like a shield as he ran for a tunnel. Alex! Henry screamed. Alex didn't have a clear shot of the man. He whirled around frantically, searching the area. Finally, his eyes alighted on the one he was seeking. Kitten! he cried. Go! The kitten didn't need any more instruction. She tore after the man, climbing up his leg, and wriggled away into Henry's pocket. Alex shot off a round of shackles at the man's feet, but the man was running in a zigzag pattern. The spell missed and bounced off the ground. There was nothing else Alex could do without risking Henry. Though he thought one thing. Freeze! He called out, holding his hand in the direction of the escaping man. But the man ducked down the hole into a ground and disappeared. And the freeze spell hit the side of the ship and shattered like ice to the ground. Alex grabbed a few more spells from Sam Heed's vest and chased after them. Meanwhile, Sam Heed found his whispery voice and began casting spells with gusto. He was a little rusty with his aim, but soon he got back into the rhythm. He mounted the log pile for a better view of his attackers. As more warblarians came running, Sam Heed blinded, shackled, scatterclipped, and froze them before they had any time to fight back. It was a bizarre, quiet fight, and the only sound coming from the very few we had voices. When at last Simber returned, Sam Heed had polished off everyone in the area. Sam Heed ran up to the giant cat. Had a minor incident to clear up at the beach with some of our fighters, Simber told him. Climb aboard, he said. We'll get you to the ship. Sam Heed shook his head violently, and then he remembered he could speak. Not without Lonnie, he rasped, his voice trying hard to come back. He coughed a few times, attempting to clear his throat, and wished he could get his body to stop shaking. I'm not going anywhere without her. Simber frowned, but then he nodded. 
Do you know where she is? Fire cave, deep down below. But I'm sure word is spreading that you're here. We have to hurry. He thought for a moment. Oh, but you can't fit down the tunnels. If you can find the exit hole on the south side of the island by the lagoon, I'll try my best to bring her out there. Simber nodded. I will be there if I am not needed elsewhere. Otherwise, head straight to the lagoon where you arrived a month ago. Do you know how to get there? The pirate ship belongs to us. I'll find it. Sammy started to run, and then he turned back. Is Megan? She's waiting for you on this ship. Samheed sighed heavily. Thanks. Thanks for coming back for us. Simber nodded. Go. Samheed grabbed spell components in both his hands and jumped down the entry hole, sliding his back and landing on his feet. He ran down the tunnel, seeing frozen and shackled warblins everywhere, no doubt thanks to Alex. He saw warblarians huddled in caves, peering out, and ducking when they saw him wearing the strange vest. Some of them signaled to him as he passed, pleading, Save me. Let me come with you. It was heartbreaking, but Sam, he couldn't risk saving anyone else right now. He had to get to Lonnie. Alex chased after the man and Henry, getting farther and farther behind as Warblarians tried to stop him. He shot spells left and right and pressed his way through the crowds, closing off caves with glass spells and locking the people inside it. When he started running out of components, he felt terrible about it, but it was the only way to keep up. But in the maze, he was lost. He kept running, unsure of where to go. Kitten! he yelled. He waited in a circle where several tunnels came together, having no idea what to do, which way to go, and constantly turning to make sure no one was coming up behind him. He was starting to panic. And then the ball of light arrived, Kitten again this time to save the day. Alex sped down the proper tunnel, eventually hearing Henry's screams once again. He snuck up to the entrance of a cave, finding himself in a hospital room of sorts. The brute held Henry down on a table, and another warblarian reached into a cupboard, pulling out a handful of braided thorns. Alex's eyes widened. Get your hands off him, Alex yelled, furious. He blasted the brute with an encasement spell and hit the other with a dog collar shackle that stuck her to the wall, her feet dangling off the floor. Henry scrambled off the table, a look of terror in his eyes. Alex grabbed him by the arm and ran to the nearest opening, having no idea where on the island they were, but hoping one of the statues would be around to help. They emerged to find Florence stacking frozen bodies like logs. Don't shoot, Alex cried. It's us. Get Henry to the ship fast. I'm going back down. Good luck. Florence picked up the boy and ran, her steps shaking the earth while Alex dove back underground.